some thoughtful stuff. Um, and um, I don't know if you've seen that movie or not. Hopefully you won't end up the way they did. But uh, that's another story. Um, so I wonder, rhetorically, I'm asking the question again. And uh, you can answer this question with your, with your mate or with some close friends maybe later on. Um, what did you think of when I first said a few moments ago, we're going to talk about intimacy today? What was your first thought? And um, I mean, and, and there's not necessarily a wrong answer or a wrong thought here or that if you thought, oh, he thought this or she thought this, that must show, uh, well, it might show where you're coming from, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. I want to talk about this whole subject of intimacy. It's a lot bigger than what probably all of us ever imagined as we start getting into some different things. I want to go to the very beginning. And uh, we were here in this passage, or very close to this passage and part of it, a couple of weeks ago. And I told you we're going to come back to it. It's in Genesis chapter 2. And uh, just, just to set the story of creation one more time for you and make sure you can see where we're coming from. This is Genesis 2, verse 18. This is in the uh, message uh, translation of the uh, Bible. Verse 18, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper, a companion. Um, friend, somebody, just any way, it's a Hebrew word, and, it, and there, it's translated so many different ways. All help meet, uh, come alongside. Uh, companion, I think, is probably as, uh, as good as any, really, in terms of just of a word-for-word translation. A few verses down in verse 21, God put the man into a deep sleep. As he slept, he removed one of his ribs and replaced it with flesh. And God then used the rib that he had taken from the man to make woman and presented her to the man. We know if you were here last week, and if you weren't, you can pick up the uh, CD or uh, the uh, messages available on the internet or, or the notes or whatever. But uh, if you were here, you know that from this, this point on, <clears throat> excuse me, the guy gets pretty excited when he first sees the woman that God has created for him. And he's like, oh, wow, this is terrific. But I want to talk about just the companionship factor of this just for a moment, okay? And I want to take you to another passage, which is not about husbands and wives. It's not about the first marriage, Adam and Eve. Um, it's strictly about companionship and can be interpreted a lot of different ways, but I think that you still have to come back to companionship and, and, and even some degree of intimacy when you look at this. Um, and it's from a passage in Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 9. It goes like this. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in a bed warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. And, of course, what he's talking about here is a, is, is a friend and a, a companion. Now, can we take this to marriage? Absolutely, we can. We can take it to a lot of different uh, relationships that we might have close friends with. You know, don't, don't, don't go crazy with it and, and things like that. Some people have kind of gotten a little, a little wild with it and tried to make it into some things that it's not. But the, the issue here has to do with the fact, when you just take it as, for instance, marriage, it's better to have a partner than to go alone. I'd agree with that. The Apostle Paul says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. You know, and marriage is a lot like that. Sometimes one of us will fall down, one of us have, have a bad day, one of us will be, go through one of those 
kind of a funk periods, and we're like, what's wrong? Well, well and, and, you, and you're there. You're there. Sometimes you can say something to help them. Sometimes it's just a matter of being there. But uh, when, I, I love that passage in terms of, of good friendship, and every marriage should involve, every good marriage should involve close friendship as well, close companionship. So this kind of sets the pace for us. And let me just, let's just jump into this thing of intimacy and, and start talking about it because I've got a lot... A lot of things here to show you. Let me show you this first quote. Before I show you this first quote, where's our youth, um, our, 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 our culture guy? Is he here? Oh, Henry, you're back there in the back. Okay. See if you know. Henry is, for those of you who don't know, is our student ministries uh, something or other, ahead of our student ministries, high school kids. He, he works with junior high, high school, and younger, and even adults sometimes. Um, see if you know who, th- who this was, Henry. Here's the quote. I love this quote. This, is, this, is, this really, I think, describes kind of, kind of the New York area culture right here. All right? Here it is. I've been seeing an intimacy counselor to promote growth and togetherness in our relationship. It was just easier to schedule if I went alone. I'll fill you in. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that where we live right here? It is so good. Does anybody know who Helen Morgendorfer is? Let me ask my student ministries director. Do you know who that is? You don't know who that is? Okay, I'm going to see a show of hands. Anybody know who Helen Morgendorfer is? Am I the only one in this whole church that's culturally relevant? Am I the only one? Oh, man, this is scary. She is a cartoon character on MTV. Huh? How cool is that, huh? How cool is that? Where does he get these things? I search high and low, baby. I'm all over the place looking for you, okay? Okay. Uh, and uh, anyway, it's, it's uh, some cartoon on MTV. I think, I can't remember the name of it, Darian or something like that. And uh, she's a cartoon character on that. So just wanted you to know I'm trying to stay on top of the culture for you folks, trying to stay there. So, pardon? Oh, we have jobs. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. I have TiVo. No. <laughs> Actually, I didn't watch TV to get this, just for the record. But anyway, I love that quote. I've been seeing an intimacy counselor to promote growth and togetherness. I'll I'll fill you in. Intimacy has many faces. I'm saying that's kind of as a warning to you. It has many faces. This guy is a a very well-known, and I, I strategically chose this next quote because he's not welcomed in some circles of church, on a church, you know, particularly those who, who would believe the Bible. Rollo May, a thinker, existentialist, Oberlin College, for those of you who may know of that school, he said this, and this, I, whatever you think of the guy, this is an outstanding statement, I think. For human beings, the more powerful need is not sex per se, but for relationship, intimacy, acceptance, and affirmation. There's a powerful amount of truth in that statement when you think about it. Um, that's in his probably most famous work, Love and Will. Uh, the word intimacy comes from a Latin word, and it means innermost. And it, in, in a marriage relationship, that translates into the vulnerable sharing of our inner thoughts, our feelings, our spirit, our true self. And there's a lot that goes with that. So what I have done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, as I have learned it, 
um, over the years and f- through friends and reading. And I'm not, as, as, as you know, if you're visiting with us, you need to know this. I'm not a psychologist, don't claim to be. Very fortunate to have had some influences in my life who are and, uh, and have learned tremendous amounts uh, from them. And, uh, and this is one of those things. And I want you to know this. We were made for intimacy. That's how God created us. When we don't have it, weird things take place for us to kind of compensate. And most of those, not most, all of those weird things are not positive. They're not good. We were made for intimacy. I'm going to give you four, what I call four strands of intimacy. All right? I'm going to give you, there are four, and, and you can disagree with the wording, I don't care. Um, I'm, I'm going to, not in any particular order, but I'm going to give them to you, and, and, and I want you to get the concept. If you want to say, well, I think it should be this word or that word, that's, that's fine. I don't, I don't care about that. But don't miss the concepts, please, because these are, these are huge. And um, so don't get hung up on the words, just see the concept. First strand of intimacy would be what we call just emotional intimacy. Emotional intimacy would involve, and some of these are going to kind of, kind of, you know, lap over the other one a little bit. Some of them will be repeated a little bit in, the, in, in some of the others. Emotional intimacy is when we have those heart-to-heart talks. If I ask you, are you, are you, being, are you intimate with that person? More than likely, particularly if you're a person of the opposite sex, you're going to probably think, well, they're talking about, are, are, you, are we having sex? You know, but the, the truth is, are you, what that means is, are you having heart-to-heart talks? You know, and, 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 and sharing dreams, sharing failures, sharing hopes. Um, it's a deeply personal thing. This may or may not be an everyday type of thing with that, with that uh, person, and hopefully that's your mate. There might be some other people as well. Got to be careful with that. I'll talk about that more in just a moment. But that's the first kind of intimacy, this emotional intimacy, as we're going to define it for our purposes. The second is physical Physical intimacy. You say, what's physical intimacy? I know what physical intimacy is. Uh, physical intimacy is, you ready for this? Non-sexual touching with your mate. A lot of you guys are sitting here thinking, isn't that an oxymoron? Um, it's really only one reason. Uh, no, no, no. Never mind. Um, it, it's, it's, it might be a hug. It might be a kiss. It might be, it, it might be best known as affection. It's, it includes acts of affection, even includes some romance, which you're going to hear more of in, in, in a moment. Uh, it's assurance and affirming care. Call it physical affection. And, and there might be a, a number of people who we are physically affectionate with. See that here all the time. Somebody hug or a kiss, and that, that's terrific. Hopefully you have that sort of relationship on a much different level with your mate. And that, that, because somebody says, well, don't you get to the point where that doesn't take place anymore? Well, I hope not. I, I, that's not any particular way I want to live, nor do I think it's the way we were designed to live, according to, uh, according to the Scriptures. So we've got emotional intimacy, we've got physical intimacy, then we have spiritual intimacy. This is, really, this is basically just exploring the things of God, thoughts, discussions, maybe about the Bible, maybe about church, maybe... Maybe struggles you might be having or thinking about in terms of, of being a follower of Christ. Maybe uh, just, just life issues that touch the heart and touch the spirit. Um, and sharing those concerns in a very vulnerable way. Spiritual intimacy, it's a, it's a great thing. And again, it's a misconception about that, that, that we have to agree on everything. You don't have to agree on everything. You can still share your heart with your, with your mate or, or close friend even on some of these things, and maybe not necessarily agree on everything, or that we have to be in the same place, may not be in the same place 
in terms of your own spiritual journey. And the chances of you and your mate uh, being at the same place in your spiritual journey, that's not, that's not really a great chance of that because we're just all individuals still too. Other things going on. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes I've, had, I've had men say to me when they've really sought to try to pursue this area of their relationship with their, with their wife, well, I don't know as much as she does. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't matter, you know. She, you know, she reads more and she knows more and she, you know, she's able to do this. And that, that's fine. That doesn't mean you still can't have spiritual intimacy. Like, that's the great thing. It's praying together. In, the, in, in any way that you can. Whenever I say that, some people kind of, and I know because people have told me, that they kind of tighten up praying together. I don't know if I can do that. Any way that you can. I'm not saying you have to, you know, give some kind of a pastoral prayer or something with your wife or husband, but in your own simple, straightforward way. And the fourth strand of intimacy is sexual. Of course, that's the expression of that physical, sexual love with the one whom you have committed to walk through life with together. It involves romance. might involve roses. might involve valentines. There you go. Come to church and get a reminder here coming up soon. Um, and that's, th- this is the one so many times we think of. But you've you got to take all these together. And when you start separating, I mean... It really, you really, it, dysfunction begins to set in. Let me talk about the sexual thing just for a couple of minutes because I think there's some things that, that need to be said here. Some people believe, and I think there's some truth to this, I'm not going to say it's true all the time, that the uh, sexual aspect of, uh, of intimacy in a couple's life, in a, in a husband and wife's life, can sort of be a, a temperature gauge at times of, of the other kinds of intimacy. That, that should be or are taking place. And I think there's some truth to that. Uh, there are, there, that can be. There are also all kinds of things. There are physical ailments or sickness, and sometimes that, that's just not possible, but you can still have the other forms of intimacy. Sometimes, and, and, and this is not good, sometimes people will think that just by performing in a particular manner, particularly sexually, they can somehow make up for the other stuff that's not happening, and that's not healthy either. So we're not talking about performance here. As I mentioned last week, this whole thing of, of, of making love is an expression of love. It's an expression of love. It's not a performance or, or some other kind of deal. And we need, to, we need to really stop and think about that a little bit. Um, Storky said this in The Search for Intimacy. I love this quote. The reality is then that sex must not be depended upon to initiate intimacy. It can only grow out of it. It can only grow out of it. And see, we, what we've done in our society, we've got that all messed up. Oh, and, and, and what we've done is we've, sort of jumped right into that many times before all the other foundation is laid there for us. And then we wonder why our relationships are all kind of screwy at times in, in between, between boyfriend, girlfriend, potential husband, wife, and in some cases husbands and wives. I want to show you, I got, I got to show you the C.S. Lewis quote, and I, and I asked some people this week, do I use C.S. Lewis too much? And I got somebody said, yeah, you do. And somebody said, you can't use C.S. Lewis too much. But, but he just, this, what he said was just so good, talking about the sexual stuff. Watch this. The monstrosity of sexual intercourse outside marriage is that those who indulge in it are trying to isolate one kind of union, the sexual, from all the other kinds of union which were intended to go along with it and make up the total union. The Christian attitude does not mean that there's anything wrong about sexual pleasure any more than there is about the pleasure of eating. It means that you must not isolate that pleasure and try to get it by, your, by itself. 
welcome to 2006, right? Because that's what we've done. We've tried in so many cases. We see it obviously portrayed in, in movies and books and on television and in other people's lives. Uh, we see this whole thing portrayed as, you know, sex, sex, sex. That's the deal, man. And yet, there's, there's emotional, there's physical, there's spiritual intimacy as well. And when you short-circuit the process, somebody's, somebody's going to end up dysfunctional. Actually, a lot of people are going to end up dysfunctional in that kind of a deal. And that's the way God made it. That's the way God designed it. And we need to understand that. So, here's my question. What happens? I, I've got to deal with this. I've got to deal with this. What happens when there is intimacy lacking? When intimacy, like, like one or all of these or some variation thereof, are lacking in an individual or in a couple's life, what happens? Not very many good things. In fact, no good things. I've, I've, there's, there's many things, and obviously I can't go into all of that right now. But let me just, this sometimes happens when other people will come into a person's life. And sometimes that intimate relationship, which is just an emotional intimacy, you know, can turn into something that it shouldn't. I've said to many couples many times, you can commit adultery with all your clothes on. And, and that, that's a little blunt, and I apologize if that offends you, but not too much, because it's true. And you need to understand that because there are certain things that, that there are certain boundaries you don't want to cross, not just sexually, but also in terms of the heart to heart type of, of discussions. And the, and, the, and the whole, even the physical and, and, and even the spiritual to some degree because of where it possibly could lead. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have close friends because you can. That can involve some of that. But all I'm saying is you have to be careful because some people then just jump off into another area. Most quote-unquote affairs start out very innocently. Not always, but m- most of the time with the discussion, and then it becomes more, then it becomes deeper, and then, and, and, and then it jumps into some other. So that's one of the things that can happen when, when intimacy is lacking. Sometimes people will just pour themselves into their work. Nothing wrong with work. And there are people, don't judge people, that, that doesn't mean that if somebody works all the time that they don't have intimacy at home, because they may, but they just may be in a particular season of their business where they've got to work all the time. So this is a, this is a judgment of the heart that you, only you can make about yourself. I mean, you know, let's be fair. Some guys may just do it, uh, or, or women, it just, just, get, just get poured into their hobbies. Just play golf all the time. And any spare moment I have, I'm not playing golf, then I'm going to think about golf, or I'm going to watch golf. And there's nothing wrong with golf. Trust me, there's nothing wrong with golf. <laughs> Except if it becomes a diversion because of the lack of intimacy at home. Then it becomes a substitute. And trust me. Golf is wonderful, but it's no substitute for the kind of intimacy that you can have with your wife. You put all four of those strands together. Nothing is. I, I, I want to give you another one. It's, it's kind of touchy, and I, I want to be careful with it, but I think it needs to be addressed. I don't think... just got through listening to a CD about this, and they were saying that the church doesn't address this enough, and I think they're right. One of the things that happens when people aren't fulfilled in this intimate area of their life, is that they start settling for a false intimacy. And let me me tell you some of the ways that that happens. That happens oftentimes with pornography. That happens oftentimes with some of the quote-unquote gentlemen's clubs. haven't quite figured out the gentleman part of those clubs yet, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, And and there's there's what, what has been labeled a false intimacy that takes place there. 
or in, in pornography, and people think that they're somehow, somehow being intimate, but, and, and for a few moments maybe they are, but it's false because it's not lasting and it's not real. Let me read something to you. This is a lady that I quoted last week. I'm going to quote her again. I'm, I'm so impressed. I saw her speak at Socrates in the city, and then she's got a great book out. And she's, a, she's young, but she really addresses the subject of sex. She's, a, she's like 30, and she's a professor at Duke. And, and uh, I've got the book that she just wrote called Real Sex, which is a great book. I have how to get that on. Uh, look on our website. Go to um, Action Steps for today's message, and you'll, I've got all that information down if you want to get the book and so forth. Her name is Lauren Winter. But listen to what she says here, and I have it for you on the screen. The fundamental thing about porn, this is the way she talks too, the fundamental thing about porn, even before the widespread use of the internet porn, is that pornography removes sex from a relational context. Anything that tells you that sex can happen outside of a real live relationship with all of its blessings and strains is telling you a lie about sex. This false story damages our ability to connect with an actual human being. The live person probably has some cellulite. The live person probably had a bad day at work. The live person may have a father who has cancer. And when you begin to have sex with the live person, the bad day and the cancer and the cellulite all become part of the sexual experience. And, and she later on states that's a, that's a positive thing. She says, porn, which says you can have sexual pleasure whenever you want it, totally on your terms, destroys a person's ability to have sex as part of a living, complicated relationship. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And by the way, it's better that way. That's how God designed it. And the whole, the whole pornography thing, all the, it's fantasy. And people say, well, it really doesn't hurt anybody. It sure does. It hurts a lot of people. It hurts a lot of marriages. Not to mention, not to mention the victimization that takes place of those who, who are a part of it. I want to go there. You see, this is, this is what happens oftentimes when we settle for a false intimacy. And here's the real key. Somebody just mentioned this to me. I thought it was really a great point. The false intimacy sometimes will give us a little bit of an inoculation. What does inoculation do? It, it, it gives us a little bit so we don't get the real thing, right? In this case, put it in reverse, it gives us a little bit so we don't get the real thing. In this case, the real thing is really good, and we're not getting that because we're settling for stuff that's far less. Whether that be pornography or going to strip clubs or some other kind of a relationship that's uh, not what it should be. So it's very complicated. And we look at our world and we wonder why so many relationships are so screwed up. And there's all kinds of reasons. And all we've got to do is really understand some of this basic stuff. Let's just go back to what God teaches, truth in the Bible, and that is, you know, the, you're to be, a, to be a companion to each other. You're to be a, you know, as he says back in Ecclesiastes, I love that, uh, share the work, share the wealth. One falls down, the other picks one up. You know, you get cold, you can get warm together. Figuratively and literally. Four strands of intimacy, emotional, physical, spiritual, sexual. Now, here's what I want to, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to leave you with, all right? I want to just give you two things to think about. And uh, all in all of this, and, 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 and we'll go from here. The first one is this. Seek, seek to increase your IQ. You say, what do you mean? No, not your, not your intelligence quotient. I'm talking about your intimacy Quotient. Isn't that cute? Um, seek to increase your intimacy quotient. Seek to do that. How am I going to do that? I'll start reading some stuff. I rec- I've made some recommendations on action steps, uh, as I said earlier in, the, in our website. Take a look at it. Start reading some things. Start discussing it with your mate. It's one of the things I do with our, with our premarital stuff with, when I'm counseling folks. Um, 
is just, I get them to read a book together and underline things, each as an individual, and then you trade the book and you see what was important to him and you see what's important to her and you talk about it. And then if you can't agree or don't understand, then I'll try to get involved and try to help, under, help them understand what's, what's going on with that. Do that with each other, husbands and wives. Read a book together. And, and schedule regular time to talk with your mate. Now, that may not be once a week. I realize we all have jobs. You know, I realize that. We do. And, and, and whatever you can do, do it. And you have to schedule that. And as I said last week, you've got to fight for it. You've got to fight for it. You really do. Um, and, and by the way, this is true also, not just with the husband and wife, but this is true with your little inner circle of friends. And that's not going to be more than two or three, I realize. But that's, that, include that in here. That's, a, that's, an, that's secondary, but it's important as well compared to your, your mate. Work on you. Work on you. And let me add to that. Ask your mate to help you work on you. Now think about that a minute. So if I ask my mate to help me work on you, well, hopefully she's going to ask me to help her work on her. You know? I mean, that's the way it really should work. Let's work on you. No, let's work on you. (laughs) No, you work on me, honey. You know? And by the way, in that interaction of things, here's how I relate to this. How do you relate to that? And it opens up the door to all kinds of great possibilities. And you can start and stop. And, and it's, 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 seek to increase your, your intimacy quotient on all four of these areas. Last thing. And you probably knew I was going to head in this direction a little bit. And I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I am not just because I have to, but because I think it's the key to the whole thing. Seek to become intimate with God. See, what is, that sounds kind of weird to me, okay? Okay, realize this. We live in an imperfect world. And we're dealing with imperfect people, of which I'm one, of which you're one. So while we seek to grow in all of these areas, there's only one relationship where there is going to have, where I'm going to have ultimate intimacy. That is with the Creator, the Heavenly Father, who already knows me intimately, already knows the warts on my nose, figuratively speaking and literally. And has already said, I love you for who you are. We were made for intimacy. We were made for intimacy. And in the Bible, back in the, uh, some of you ladies will know where this came from, in Jeremiah chapter 31, some of you ladies who come to Thursday morning. Long ago, the Lord said to his people, just, I'm just going to read this to you. Long ago, the Lord said to his people, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. You know, no one knows us more intimately than God. And God says, I'm drawing you to have a relationship with me. And you know, when that happens, and we see God working in our hearts and in our lives and in our mind and in our conscience, I'll tell you, those other four things that we need to be thinking about with our wife or our husband even maybe some very, very close friends. We start thinking about the emotional, we start thinking about the physical, and we start thinking about the, the spiritual and the sexual. That's all part of it. That's all part of the package. And that whole package is fulfilled in a relationship with he who created the whole deal. He who made us that way, which was God, which is God. 
That's, that's a key to the thing. And I don't know how that works for you. Maybe it's one of those things where some of us are here and, and we have that relationship with God and we just say, you know, that's right. And, and God, I just need to pray. I want to ask you to help me with these areas. Help me to be the, the man or the woman that I should be in this area. For some of you, it's going to be like, you know, God, I don't know exactly what I believe about you and a relationship with you, but I, I, really, want, I really want to be a well-rounded individual. I don't see that happening without some kind of a relationship with you. Maybe you start there with a prayer. Maybe it's something you, you can pray now. Maybe something you think about, pray later, something you can talk about with somebody. But that's where it is. That's where it starts. That's where it is completed in that, that relationship with God who knows us intimately and says, I'm drawing you. Come on. I created you. I know how you tick. And I want you to tick really, really well. And I can help you do that. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for these things. These are, these are truths that we can't comprehend outside of, I think, God, you revealing it to us yourself. I pray for each person here. There and each one of us, Lord, are in just a different place in life. And, and in different places along that whole spectrum of our of our faith and where we are with you and, and, and wherever, wherever we are, who, whatever the deal is in, in each one of our lives, I pray, God, that we would, we would respond to you as best we can. Whether that be just a, a simple prayer of God, I really, I really want to really follow through with this somehow. Not sure how yet, but I really want to. Or whether that be a prayer of God, I know you love me. I know you've accepted me for who I am. I know you love me without, with, with all my flaws and all. And God, I, I just want you to continue working in me and give me the strength that I need and the boldness at times to sit down with my mate or maybe even a close friend and be able to say, hey, here we are. Let's see which of these things apply to us in our situation and let's, go, let's move on from here. We thank you, God, for your love and for your grace and for how you take care of us in so many ways. Provide for us and bless us. We thank you for our time now as we commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.